Magnus Podcast, Episode 9, Introducing the Magnus Fellowship. Everybody, welcome back to the Magnus Podcast. On the Feast of St. Albert the Great, something uh, groundbreaking and pivotal happened in the history of our little foundation. The Albertus Magnus Institute was formally launched to the public on November 15th. And the website, revealed at magnusinstitute.org, is now up. Anybody can see what we are up to and how you can be a part of it. We will be continuing with our series of interviews featuring uh, faculty members from our endorsed institutions. There's a lot of good stuff there coming down the pipeline that we are excited to be bringing you. Uh, But for now, just a quick update Uh, on uh, the website, the launching of our foundation, the response that we've received so far, and how you can be a part of the good stuff we have going on. So uh, brought in today the tactical genius behind much of what happens at the Albertus Magnus Institute, uh, Brian Long, really in charge of most of the uh, operations and tactical aspects of our foundation. What's going on, Brian? Well, uh, I'm happy to say that we, we, we did it. Uh, 12 months after incorporating the Albertus Magnus Institute, We've publicly launched the website. We got a lot, a lot of great things in store. Uh, folks will already be familiar with our podcast and the great interview series that we've begun um, at places like Thomas Aquinas College and Wyoming Catholic. Um, we uh, are preparing to publish our first book, so that that train is rolling. Uh, train so. is rolling. So it's a lot of great, yeah, great things going back on. Back up here. So uh, people don't know this unless they look it up on the uh, Secretary of State records, I guess. But the Albertus Magnus Institute was incorporated officially. November 15th. November 15th. Of 2018. 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Feast of St. Albert, Albert the Great. Uh, that's when the board put it together. I came on, obviously, after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I'm very glad to be, uh, on board after that. Um, really all very providential, but the date is significant. That's so right. It's the feast of St. Albert the Great That's and right. then launched publicly November on November 15th, 15th exactly yeah. one year from, did you guys plan mm-hmm. that or something? Yeah. Amazing. Right. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, I was, I was really, um, you know, and again, we are, we didn't want to launch this thing right with the intention of starting a brush fire. We could have done social media fanfare. We could have done, you know, our doors are closed and get on the waiting list and now they're mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't, we're not interested in that hullabaloo for a few reasons. Uh, rather than starting a brush fire, we want something to be uh, lasting and burning uh, for, right. for a long time, more permanently than a lot of the things cropping up uh, mm-hmm. here and there. As of late, uh, being in California, we know all about the different sorts of fires. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but, but we did we did launch, and the response was, well, as far as I'm concerned, really surprising. It's been great, yeah. Overwhelming. Uh, so just tell us about the three main aspects 
of the first phase of our of our rollout. Uh, when somebody goes to the website magnusinstitute.org, uh, what are they going to see and how can they be a part of it? Sure, sure. Um, well, the the first thing that uh, people will be uh, aware of when coming to the website is is our podcast. We have a podcast that's syndicated um, on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Podbean. I mean, we're everywhere, um, and so, so that's um, has been going for a few for a few months. I Thousands think. of downloads that's without right. any real marketing that's right whatsoever that's right completely word of mouth yeah yeah that's humbling mm-hmm. and th- and that's so that's one way to get a great insight into what we hope to do with all the works of the institute really what what's the spirit of the albertus magnus institute you, s- you see that in the the quality and the content of the interviews uh in the podcast episodes um and there's two two other uh major uh, move moves that we're making here. And the first would be the fellowship. So the fellowship uh, of the Albertus Magnus Institute is a uh, an exclusive body with the mission of promoting a culture of liberal arts learning, lifelong liberal arts learning, um, and really bringing together um, graduates and students of institutions that really embody the kind of education that we hope to promote at the Albertus Magnus Institute and bringing them together, uh, to share in the, the goods, uh, the good works of the Institute. Um, so right now the Magnus Fellowship is open to, a elite group of, to, of colleges in the um, in the United States right now, it, um, and where that will be expanding uh, uh, soon as we we will add other institutions to it. So right now, in no particular order, you have Holy Spirit College, St. John's College, both the both campuses, Annapolis and Santa Fe, uh, St. Mary's College of California. Um, uh, some of the programs there, Thomas Aquinas College, both campuses, the California and the new, the brand new New England campus, the Thomas More College in New Hampshire, uh, the University of Dallas and Wyoming Catholic College. And we're going to be adding more to that, to that list in the, in the coming days and weeks. Um, now when we say that these are elite, what makes them so, and obviously that's kind of a dirty word in the ears of our listeners uh, sure. and, and nobody, uh, everybody wants to be elite. Nobody wants to be an elitist. That's right. Uh, and that's not, that's not our intention no. by any means, but what are these colleges doing, uh, that sort of, uh, synthesizes well and works well with our mission? Sure. Sure. So, uh, each of these institutions, has a vision of education that um, is that runs counter to what's dominant in higher education today, and what's d- dominates in higher education today is very narrow fields of study, um, which focus on um, making the student. Uh, a functionary, a, a, an a, a effective functionary 
in a global economy. An object fit for use. That's right. That's right. A well-trained machine. That's right. Um, So, and, and that, that involves um, a very narrow specialization early on, often to the neglect of of those arts of the mind, um, which, which make the human person uh, free, free to think, uh, free to express oneself. And in many ways, we, we think that the, the direction of higher education is unsustainable. Uh, that writing is kind of on the wall. Um, but also, you I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to recommend to uh, kids to go out and get in a quarter million dollars worth of debt so they can have a $60,000 a year job for the rest of their lives and in sp- a cubicle and spend the rest of their lives getting out of debt. You're saying that's not tenable. That's not tenable. That's not tenable. Um, it's not really human either. It's not human. Yeah. So what these institutions that um, are Magnus endorsed uh, all have in common is that they aim at what might be described as the old view. <laughs> you know, in, in many ways, you know, there's um, Chesterton has that that line or says if if you've lost your way, the only way forward is to go back. Mm. And there's, in a certain way, we're recovering an old way and an right. a more ancient view of what it means to be educated. And this goes all the way back to the Greeks. There's, there's an education fit for a free person and an education fit uh, for a slave, really. There's there's liberal education and there's servile education. And liberal education is that which aims at an object that is fully grasped in thinking, mm. not in doing, not in not in any any other thing. It does it doesn't mean that uh, a liberal education in the classical sense in the sense of the tradition uh, is um, not suitable for practical aims. There's graduates of these institutions go on to do uh, as we often, we often say whatever they want. Right. right? That's the number one question. Like when a kid (laughs) wants to go to a place like Wyoming Catholic or something like that, what can can you do with that? Right. From from his parents all too often, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? And what these graduates of these places discover is, well, they can do whatever, whatever they want. Whatever they want. That's right. And you, you're hard pressed to find a graduate of one of these institutions who is suffering from poverty mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't have a vow of poverty and a religious habit. On, <laughs> that's, right, right? that's right. That's right. right? That's right. That's right. Um, and so, even though these institutions are not, you know, putting their practical foot forward mm-hmm. so much, I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't how they're branded, for better or for worse. Uh, there's no there's no shortage of practical application for sure. uh, a liberating education. That's right. To put a to put a um, maybe a little more specificity about what these institutions have in common, we could also say that all of these institutions have a great books tradition. So they have in some form or another they they do differ. They take different approaches to how they interact with the Western canon, but they, um, all of these institutions would agree that there are certain works of human achievement, um, primarily 
taken from uh, Western culture, which are necessary to engage in order to be educated. Right. And, and in a certain way, uh, they are they serve as conduits for the man of today or the woman of today to mm-hmm. be entering him or herself into this eternal and transcendent conversation on the real right. that it, ultimately terminates and in, not just conversation but contemplation theoria. That's, that's right, right. It, also, it terminates in theoria right? right this intellectual receptivity that constitutes human beatitude right that's and right. not to get theological here right. but this is what heaven is it's it's an mm-hmm. intellectual receptive vision of the whole of reality mm-hmm. through the eyes of the author of that reality, and and so this sort of education is uh, training for heaven, right? It's training for happiness. That's, that's right. That's right. Now, and that isn't to say that the Albertus Magnus Institute aims to be um, a foundation primarily of theological learning, right? Right. In, in many ways, uh, what we aim at is kind of propedeutic to this, to the study of theology. We, we aim at the, those arts of the mind that are necessary as you said, for human beatitude, for a certain, a certain, um, well training of the mind That's to right. be at the service of truth wherever it comes from whether it be from reason or revelation yeah and there is so i've i've taught theology in in different capacities over the years and i've noticed that um there's this there's this desire in the catholic world especially to to just to give let's do theology right mm-hmm. let's do and and but really theology is is the crowning point is the, the the principal science the the, mm-hmm. the 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 highest the peak of all sorts of learning, but in in a way uh, that has to be prepared for. That's right. By well, like as a monk would tell you, right? Was the first thing a monk he learns letters. He learns he learns grammar. That's right. Uh, and once we learn letters, we learn how to put them together and speak, and we learn rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these sciences that lead up to and prepare the mind for philosophy, which in turn prepares the mind for theology. There seems to be this overreaching in a lot of Catholic pious circles. Um, and, and not to say there's anything wrong with that. Uh, it might be exactly what the church needs right now. I don't know. Uh, but it seems like we could do a better job of preparing for theology uh, in Catholic circles, at least. That's right. And, um, and the Albertus Magnus Institute really responds to a need that uh, we saw, the founders saw, in the church and in the culture itself where in the in the west we're facing um very serious threats both internally to to our culture and externally and they all hinge on uh this question on the question of whether or not uh the human mind can attain to the truth and whether or not that the truth known can be the basis of common or shared life in our own uh just in the united states in our own politics we we see on display uh you know right before us an inability of people to communicate to talk together that's right to talk together about those things which concern 
the human good and the common good and to even articulate disagreement um, in rational studied ways. And um, it really seems like what's needed is a kind of uh, uniting of the clan, so to speak. That's right. Uh, and, and that's really what we're doing in bringing students and graduates of these institutions together. Yep. And I remember as a, as a wide eyed undergraduate, uh, first getting into all this crazy stuff, uh, I threw a house party once. I threw many house parties, actually, uh, not to scandalize our listening audience, but uh, at one of the first house parties I threw, uh, I walked downstairs of my, of my uh, apartment as an undergraduate, and I saw standing in the living room this nearly 60-year-old curmudgeon-looking of a man uh, that was just there for my house party. I introduced myself to him. Uh, and he says, Hey, I won't say his name, but he says his name and class of, uh, whatever, 69 or 74, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever class he was from. And at first as this undergraduate throwing a house party, I was like, okay, who's this old guy in my house? Uh, and now, now this, this gentleman is a a great friend of both of ours. He's, Mm -hmm. uh, he's on our board of regents Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and we have dozens and dozens and dozens of other examples like that. You and I went to the That's same right. college. We did not graduate remotely in the same year. Or even it, attend at the same time. Or even attend at the same time, but it's as if we did. And right. any student, any graduate of any of these institutions can tell you that they are entered into a transgenerational conversation. Sure, sure. Not, e- not even uh, people living today, right? <laughs> Throughout right. the ages. Uh, right. It's as if your classmates with... People who uh, did not happen to study mm-hmm. at the same time with you. So, what is it about the the the, the authentic liberal arts that produces that sort of friendship that spans the ages? Well, practically, um, one the mechanism that it, that enables that the kind of matrix that allows those kinds of relationships to flourish is the fact that these institutions, and this is part of that old way I mentioned, they hold to this older vision of education, which entails a kind of uh, ratio studiorum. That's the old term that the church would have used, that there's a, there's a plan of study at these institutions. And so um, it's not the same throughout time in every aspect, but in its broad colors, what courses students take, students take, what books they read are on a plan. And so, um, and on the margins, they may change year to year, but the, the, the bulk of the curriculum is fixed. They have what's called a core curriculum and a real one in, Mm -hmm. in most institutions of higher learning. And this really started, um, in the, in the sixties and the seventies, it's, this started happening, uh, institutions of higher learning went to a smorgasbord approach to degree requirements. Mm. And so um, it, it used to be that there, there was understood uh, that a certain plan of study constituting the majority of the courses that an undergraduate take would take was necessary um, to build a liberal or to have a liberally educated person um, and to build a curriculum at a university that way one way part of what caused that is 
um, actually the GI Bill, which egal- which made higher education more egalitarian. So mm. you had lots of, of men and women entering higher education um, at both after World War II, and then there was another big I- influx of veterans after the Vietnam War into the higher education market with f- government money. And so these institutions want to attract these folks and requirements like um, knowing Latin and Greek um, at entry started mm. disappearing. And, mm-hmm. and so in order to uh, meet the needs of of uh, new consumers, which is how you know education becomes commodified. And so in order to meet the requirements of all these new potential consumers, requirements for degrees change. So all these institutions have a core curriculum, which all, and, and usually, and most of these institutions have no majors. A few of them do, but the majority of the institutions on the list don't actually have traditional majors as we would understand them at most universities. All students take the same degree. Right. Um, and that mechanism, I would describe it as a kind of matrix that allows these relationships to span time because you, I, I mean, I remember you and I once, we were camping down in Malibu one year and we had students from uh, our alma mater from St. Mary's college who came out and we didn't know them. We hadn't studied with them, but they mentioned a conversation about Augustine in, in a course that you and I would have taken right. with the same professor at a different time. And to be able to enter into that in, in the only place that sort of exists might be with doctoral students who have the same doctoral advisor. Like yep. they, that, that might be the yep. only other uh, place where um, people who've attended higher education could pick up a conversation that about a, a reading of a text they had um, that they didn't share together. Right. 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 So goal one of the Magnus Fellowship is to, as you said, unite the clans. That's right. And there are a handful, a small handful of great institutions. Sure. All coming through a similar intellectual pedigree, a similar tradition, and they've branched off and done their own uh, things in beautiful ways, like with mm-hmm. their own flavors. Sure. Um, you know, Thomas Aquinas College is is a uh, is a sort of intellectual son of St. Mary's color, right? That's every, right. Every, That's right. every president of TAC, as I have to remind the TAC graduates, uh, every president of TAC has been a graduate of St. Mary's college, right? That's right. That's They're right. all probably hoping that'll change one of these days. That's right. And the, and the program and the, and the great books program at St. Mary's college, the integral curriculum, uh, was modeled on the program at St. John's college. That's right. So we're all related. So, that's and right. So, so step one is to remember that mm-hmm. and get these people together uh, because it, it's a force to be reckoned with once yes. we can be united. That's right. But the Magnus Fellowship is not only limited to uh, graduates or students from these endorsed institutions. That's uh, right. But open to anybody from mm-hmm. any institution, right? So mm-hmm. how would that differ for somebody coming in who does not study or have a degree from something like Thomas Aquinas College. So the um, major work of the Albertus Magnus Institute, um, and this is slated uh, for 2020, 
uh, we'll roll out actual courses in our own curriculum, uh, core curriculum, in the the great books and uh, the and the liberal arts taught by some of the best faculty at. Uh, great books. So faculty arts from colleges these endorsed institutions will offer courses will online. That's right. Uh, with the Albertus Magnus Institute. And these courses will be uh, live and interactive. So we're not going to be playing videos uh, for mm-hmm. people. Uh, That's right. Those videos will be made available subsequently. Yeah. But you'll be able to interact with your faculty and uh, fellow students in the classes. That's right. That's right. And that will offer, this won't replace the experience of students at these colleges. I don't think it can, because it for, for, if right. you haven't been to one of these colleges, the class sizes are very small, mm-hmm. very intimate. You're, you're, you're parsing through texts yeah. and the, 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 the tutor or the teacher, or the professor is not so much there as a, as a uh, master, but a guide. Sure. Uh, in in a way that lets the students sort of work through texts on their own, and and yeah. I don't think you can replace that through you can't, online. You can't news. replace that, and you also can't replace um, you can't replace the dynamic of being in a physical place with other people, and because those conversations that happen in the classroom they carry over into the dining hall and outside the library, and uh, when the the students go into town, you That's know, right. or go to the farmer's market. They're talking about these books and these ideas. That's right. And so and when I was at a Wyoming Catholic, they, they got to basically hike literally a mile, you know, through the snow to get back to their dorms mm-hmm. through Lander, Wyoming. Right. Uh, but you just see this town, this small town in the middle of Wyoming populated, you know, bubbling up with students having their own beautiful conversations outside the classroom, right. which is where so much of the learning takes place That's right. at these colleges. That's right. So we will never say, uh, hey, do the Magnus uh, Fellowship Program instead, instead of, of going, going to Thomas Aquinas College. That's right. We're not going to do better than that. No. Uh, but for those of you who can't, uh, maybe you're not that age level of an undergraduate. And even That's if you right. are, if you, if you aren't you, that age level, you can still go to a place like go. Thomas Aquinas College. Right. But for you. whatever reason, you can't, you have a family, you have a full-time job that you can't get out of. That's right. You already did your college. You don't want to do it again. Here's an right. alternative. Or you're, or you're committed to a very, maybe you're studying engineering at a large state school. That's and, right. And you, and you recognize, and you, you want to be studying engineering. You, that's what you want to do. It's going to be a, that's your calling. That's your passion. Uh, but you recognize that there's something else that, that you could be getting that. So the great thing about our courses is the cost. To get this kind of education. What is the cost? It's a huge plus. What is the cost? (laughs) Um, The cost is... uh, Free. Free, basically, yeah. Yeah. It's free. You want to donate? Donate. That's right. But, uh, you know, we're we're in the business of liberating the liberal arts. That's right. And because of an online infrastructure and, uh, you know, no... And donors. And donors. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be able to offer what we're offering for free. That's right. And I think that's what is needed right now, Um, you know, uh, to freely give what we have Mm -hmm. been given freely. Mm -hmm. And so to be free. So I'm looking through these uh, applications on day one. It's amazing. I'm going to give some shout outs here. Uh, Jamie from Franciscan University applied for the fellowship. 
Uh, of course, Franciscan uh, Good School, not on our list of endorsed, only because it's not a it's not a great book. It's not liberal arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of Thomas Aquinas. Nicole from Thomas Aquinas College. Paul from Thomas Aquinas College. Sean from Thomas Aquinas College. Uh, let's see who else we got. Another John from Thomas. A lot of Tom, Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas Colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, Teresa. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean Liam. Uh, welcome aboard. So he's. Uh, I, I got a whole list of them here. I won't read everybody's name, but uh, really surprising uh, outpouring of support and uh, and interest. That's right. In something like this. That's right. And I, I got a feeling that a lot of these people from these colleges that we've endorsed are now going to say, "Hey, you want a little taste? You know, give this to their their mom and their dad. You That's know, their right. grandparents. That's right. Uh, their friends. Uh, and that's what this is fundamentally." This is a society of friends. Mm-hmm. This is a society of friends. Uh, break that down. What is what is it to be a society of friends? I think it's a lost understanding to all Sure, world. sure. Well, uh, friends are those who sh- share together uh, in a in a common good. So, what what these folks have um, what people who attend these institutions have is a, a vision of a common life that's devoted to pursuing uh, intrinsic goods. Um, and we know that that's possible through um, a community that has a, that has a, a solid aim so a society of friends is a community of, of people who are gathered together within a common goal and, a, and who are ordered toward the common good. And, and in this case, it's um, promoting the good, the great good of a liberating education, an education which terminates in those arts of the well-trained mind that enable the human person to truly flourish um, as a person, as one who's given in friendship. You know, friend, friendship is very important um, for, for uh, Aristotle and for our Christian intellectual tradition. Friendship is the first place where I discover a good that is not myself Mm. that I may be given to. Yes. You know, and um, to do this, to, to really incarnate this ancient view of learning and and education is to open up avenues for true human friendship. That's, that's really what you were getting at before is this, this ability to pick up a conversation, uh, um, about a book. And this isn't just like 
bookish nerds who have like because you know, someone could challenge and say don't don't kids at like video game conventions or comic-con you know <laughs> in their costumes like have the same thing or encounter the same thing the the difference here is that we're standing shoulder to shoulder facing the same good and that good is uh, the good of the very highest things right to to ask these questions uh, what is friendship? What does it mean uh, to be good? Mm-hmm. What is what is the polis? What is the political c- community that I belong to? And what's it for? And wh- who am I and what am I for? Who is God? What's my story? What's the story of our civilization? And where have we come from and where are we going? And um, ultimately... To ask those questions is really to ask the why behind everything. That's right. Um, and so every one of those questions serves as a vessel into the felicitous whole of reality. That's right. Uh, that's right. And, and if you're listening to this right now, and, and it seems foreign to you, if you didn't go to you know TAC or Wyoming Catholic or something, ask yourself a simple question. How many years of geometry did you study in high school and college, you know, probably you've studied geometry, maybe two, three years mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now ask yourself a question, another question. What, what's the first thing about geometry? What's the first principle of geometry? You've studied it for years. Can you tell us the first thing about geometry? Uh, you know, shapes, uh, okay, and and you know, read Euclid. He said, "Okay, the first principle of geometry is is a point. A point is that which has, has no, no parts. parts." That's right. Now, just that that little that little grain of truth is it can has the ability to like open up a mind in, into um, a plethora of other questions. Gives you an insight into geometry that you never had when studying it. In the modern fashion, right. that is being able to regurgitate right. things, take a test, uh, ace the test, forget the things in a way that was completely um, uninforming to your personality, right? That's point right. is that which has no parts. And that, that we're just getting started, right? Uh, so every one of these questions uh, that is contemplated by the student of a great book's education is a doorway into the eternal and you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with friends. That's right. So, so the Alberta Magnus Institute, we got our podcast. We have the fellowship. The third uh, leg on that stool is going to be Magnus Press. So Magnus Press is, a, is another way to promote this kind of, uh, of liberal arts culture. Um, and we're going to be bringing... Uh, really great texts to print. Um, like really great texts. That's right. Uh, there, you know, and there's plenty of great publishers out there right now that are sort of mm-hmm. publishing a lot of books. Some of them are good books. Some of them, you know, probably not so good. Mm-hmm. But we're definitely not going to be in the business of taking up space unnecessarily on one's bookshelf. That's right. right. We're not going to be printing right. any. Very, very, uh, very small, you know, a select ten uh, steps, group of authors. Ten steps to smart. Two ninety nine in the discount bin, uh, mass produced for your parish distribution. Right. No. 
Um, right. And we're and we're not going to be um, re remaking the wheel. There's there's lots of very great uh, publishing houses. Some of them new that have come up in the in the last few years that are publishing all kinds of of great works of literature that, that p- folks should should buy and stuff that's been out of print for a long time. That's or right. It's never been printed in English. That's right. And um, by no means are we going to have a monopoly on excellent books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are going to do something a little bit differently as far as our marketing uh, is concerned. Mm-hmm. And, and that is we're going to print, if we're going to print books that uh, uh, people might still be reading in 100 years, yeah. then we need to print books that are going to last. Yeah. And, and that's years. one of the great principles of the Alberta's Magnus Institute. Everything we do is evergreen. That's right. That's right. And like, like not just, Within the next few years, evergreen. That's right. So these books that we're going to be printing uh, are actually designed to last over a hundred years. We're partnering with a great uh, bookmaker mm-hmm. in Italy, yeah, uh, and we're able to offer a, an unprecedented one hundred year craftsmanship guarantee right. on these books. Yeah, as we say, so your progeny can fight over them long after your noble death, That's and right. keep reading them, which has which has a sort of analogical aspect to it, right? We want people to still be reading in a hundred years, and so we've sort of, um, you know, with this gimmicky marketing ploy, right? Made these we're making these books that uh, will last a hundred years. That's they're right. not cheap. That's right, uh, and they're printed in very limited runs. And what's in them will be relevant in a hundred years. What's what's in them will still be relevant in 100 years, and especially with our first title that's coming out, I got to say what's in this is going to be especially relevant to the situations that we are in today. That's right. Uh, and and this particular author is is um, he's bestowed uh, granted us uh, an entire library of unpublished work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't say who it is just yet. Uh, he's very late in life, uh, but it's going to be a very, uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing. So I, we're excited, very excited to be announcing the, uh, uh, the, the sale, the release of our, of our first, uh, printed texts yep. coming out in 2020. That's right. Okay. But first the fellowship. So if you're listening to this now, you want to get involved It's completely free. Nothing you need to do other than go to our website, magnusinstitute.org slash fellowship, sign up. This is for mm-hmm. anybody. If you, uh, by the way, uh, go to the website, see if your institution is on the list. And uh, if we missed your institution, you think it should be on the list, do send us an email. Yeah, let us uh, know. In fact, we got a good uh, suggestion just yesterday yeah. uh, from, so we'll, we'll be rolling from an institution that's yeah. definitely going to be on the list. And, uh, yeah, do do the fellowship, uh, and we're going to be we're we're finalizing our faculty right now, and and don't worry, we're not poaching anybody's favorite teachers from uh-huh. your favorite colleges. Everybody's going to be moonlighting, uh-huh. uh, teaching as as they can uh, online, and and the faculty is robust to mm-hmm. say the least. And so we're going to be rolling out these classes in 2020, and um, you know, lastly, if you're listening to this and you're just totally in love with with the mission and, and our vision and what we're doing, uh, we we do invite you to donate. We're not we're not beneath asking for that. Everything we've accomplished up to up to this point and everything we will accomplish in the future 
is made possible by generous benefactors. That's so right. That's right. Uh, if, if you uh, think you're in a position to help us out, by all means, help us out. Uh, we're entirely lean as an organization, but your, your donation goes, goes a long way. And you can help us uh, accomplish our, our work. That's right. I think it's a good It's a great work. It's great work. Great mission. Brian Long, anything else you want to say? You, by the way, thank you for your work. You, you are your tactical prowess. You are the, the Lucius Fox to our Bruce Wayne, the Starsky to our Hutch, the Tango to our Cash, the Hooch to our Turner. I don't know any other eighties uh, um, movie analogies you can think of. Well, don't call me Goose. Okay, that's good. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so magnusinstitute.org. Anything else you want to say? Check out the website. Um, if you um, are from one of our Magnus endorsed institutions, we also have a, um, an exclusive Facebook group. So, so look for that. Look for They're that. not in it already. Yeah, everybody yeah. gets the link once they apply to, That's right. to the fellowship. Yep. And keep an eye out for us uh, on your college campus. Uh, we're, we're making the rounds. Um, we could be there anytime. Been to a few of them. I yep. uh, have a few more on the docket here in the very near future. That's right. So we're going to be interviewing your faculty members for this very podcast. Do be sure to share it in the meantime. And thank you so much for listening. We will see you very soon. For more, visit magnusinstitute.org. That's M-A-G-N-U-S institute.org. Copyright. Albertus Magnus Institute, Incorporated, all rights reserved.